Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, welcome back. And this week, I'd like to start off with something a bit different. As you know, I, I, I keep asking that if you have a topic or a podcast that you'd like me to address, uh, you can leave a message for me on the contact session of my section of my website, which is www.selfcoaching.net, or email me directly at selfcoachinghelp, one word, at aol.com. Well, this week I did receive an email. I'm going to call the person that wrote this L. And I thought it was a, a great idea for a podcast. So I'm going to start off today reading L's email to me, and it's about fear. And I decided to name this podcast, You Don't Have to Live with Fear, Real or Imagined. So let me just start right out with L's email, and then we'll get into this concept of fear. So L writes, would love you to do a podcast called Turns out your fears are justified. Now what? I ask because most of what I read about, fears, anxiety, depression, they go like this. Name the fear, then ask yourself, is that really going to happen? This is treated as a kind of rhetorical question where the answer is no, it won't happen. Your amygdala is just acting up. Breathe. No tiger is about to eat you. Being reminded that a fear is exaggerated is supposed to shake a person out of anxiety, panic, whatever, in that moment. But what if the answer is yes? Yes, you will get fired, disbarred, ruined. Yes, everyone will hate you. Yes, you will get arrested, sued, audited. Yes, your spouse is cheating on you, and so on. Not an actual tiger about to eat you but might as well be. I am yet to find coping mechanisms or checklists or some kind of reframing for when bad stuff is likely or actually happening. Help. And that was L's email to me the other day. And this morning I got another email from L, and I'll just quickly go through the, the uh, cliff note here. It would be a tremendous relief to have something to do besides tell myself my fears are emotional fictions, when I have plenty of evidence, not feelings, that said fears are spot on. I've read Unlearning Anxiety and Depression twice in the last week. I've taken notes, and I'm running around with a little spiral notebook. I cannot wait to hear what you've got for worst fears coming true. Well, that that kind of brings us to the concept today of understanding this thing we call fear. So what is fear? Well, I guess we'd start out by saying it's a trigger, a universal trigger, whenever there's a threat of harm, whether it be real or imagined. 
And what is fear? Well, it's a vital response to physical and or emotional danger. It seems to be, as I would see it, and I'm sure you will as well, directly connected to our own human evolution. So we evolved to have fear. And before we throw any babies out with bathwaters, I think we have to understand that not all fear is a negative, far from it. But yet today, the stakes are lower, right? I mean, we, we, we aren't really dealing with snakes or tigers and all that kind of stuff. But we are dealing with fears, you know, just more generic fears, public speaking, elevators, spiders. You know, certainly these don't present grave dangers, but they still kind of bring up this thing we call fear. And fear is, it's not just an emotion. And you need to understand it, it is a, a complete uh, physical psyche and soma reaction. There's a, a part of your brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala, when we feel the stress of danger, it sends stress hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, and these are released into your bloodstream. Your, your heart pressure increases, your heart rate. So fear is physical, it's emotional, and for all intents and purposes, it seems that fear keeps us safe. Or does it? And that's that's the real question I think that L is raising and what we're raising today. I, I don't think people would doubt that in dangerous situations, fear can pay, be very catalytic in preserving us and getting us to a place of safety. Sadhguru, a yogi mystic, he says that if you suffer that which does not exist, should we call you sane or insane? And he goes on to say that fear is simply because you are not living with life. You are living in your mind. Your fear is always about what's going to happen next. And that means your fear is always about that which does not exist. If you look at it carefully, what is fear about? Your fear is never about what has happened. It is always about what may happen. It is always about the future. We'll question that a bit as we go forward, but essentially he's correct. Fear is an anticipation, an anticipation of some loss of control. And you know how important control is to me in my self-coaching paradigm. So let's get back to L's question. When fear is legitimate, when bad stuff is happening or about to happen, how do we deal with fear? Well, I think most of us would say that a Cat 5 hurricane is legitimate, a legitimate stimulus for fear, as people struggling in, in Buffalo, New York, with that uh, what, four to five feet of snow and being being trapped in a car or, or fear of being trapped in your house. Uh, and what about these mudslides in California and the tremendous rainstorms? I mean, these, these are circumstantial, legitimate things that we become fearful of and experience fear, that mobilization of the amygdala. We feel the stress of cortisol, anxiety. These are real catalysts for fear. And as I said, if fear is warranted, it acts to mobilize that in you which wants to protect you. 
with the hurricane, we board up our windows. With five feet of snow, I don't know what you do. <laughs> Damn well better get that snow blower ready and that shovel, but boy, oh boy. Stocking up on food, right? You, you hear the weather report. There you go. You hear a weather report that you're getting five feet of snow or more, and you stock up on water and you stock up on flashlight batteries and all, all that stuff that protects you. And with a hurricane and a blizzard and mudslides, I think you might agree that fear is perhaps unavoidable, that it is understandable. And when it comes to this type of unavoidable fear, these catalysts or, or the circumstances that are dire, that are about to happen, there is then that constructive mobilization of our resources and our energy. And this is a good thing. So it's a good thing when your fears are directly connected to real danger. It's a good thing when your fear is proportionate to that circumstance. And it's a good thing when your fear is time-limited based on the circumstance. After the hurricane, when the snow melts and the rain stops, that fear should begin to dissolve. But what if fear is disproportionate and unrelenting? And this seems to be what Elle was getting at in her emails. What if the fear is, is ruminative and it's not letting up and it's going on daily, weekly, monthly, leading to anxiety conditions, just free-floating anxiety? What if the fear is not tethered directly to a circumstance or directly connected to a circumstance, but becomes disproportionate and unrelenting. In this case, we need to first dig down into what's fueling that fear. And again, going back to my self-coaching paradigm, the, the prima matera of all struggle is insecurity, the habit of insecurity. Insecurity is the underlying motor. Now, I guess I don't have to say this time and time again, but again, we're not talking about legitimate, constructive, proportionate fear that permits us to board up the windows in our house or find that snow shovel. We're talking about the disproportionate hysteroid, if you will, catastrophizing fear that goes far beyond the circumstances themselves. And this is really best understood in the context of insecurity, the habit of insecurity. And, and let, let me just briefly discuss insecurity a bit. We all have insecurity. It's part of growing up in an imperfect world with imperfect parents, loss, separations, illness. The child learns about vulnerability. And this complete dependence on the parents makes it even more stressful for the child to be handling his or her own vulnerabilities. So the child tries to develop coping strategies. And worry and fear are part of coping strategies. We, we fear because we anticipate 
a loss of control on some level. And that worrisome fear is to mobilize us and make us feel a bit more in control. So insecurity, that feeling of vulnerability, creates a tendency for compensatory behaviors. And worry would be most synonymous with fear, the what-ifs. So insecurity is, is more or less a mechanism that, for all intent and purposes, is attempting to protect us from life and vulnerability. But primarily, it is the insecurity that doesn't get addressed. We are forever compensating ourselves by worrying and anticipating, but we're not doing anything to quell the insecurity that drives it. And then that's the point that's important because insecurity, again, we'll see danger in safe places or it will exaggerate danger, the disproportionate reactions to fear. Insecurity says, I won't be able to handle such and such. It's Maybe it's how am I going to handle it in kind of a panicky way? You you tend to really feel that you're not up to it. Sometimes insecurity, and I call it the child reflex, because these reflexes were laid down as a child. Sometimes insecurity and fear has a different voice. And it's saying, no, 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 I don't want to have to have that operation. No, 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 I don't want to lose my job. So sometimes it is the child reflex in us that panics. We don't feel we have any resourcefulness to handle life itself. It's kind of an arrested development, if you think about it. The real mature, courageous attitude that's necessary for life, for handling life efficiently, that's arrested. We're more of the child. We feel more of the impotence rather than the potency that, that resides within. It's that insistence on identifying with this child reflex that says, I'm powerless. I'm powerless to life. You're not. But if insecurity is steering, then this is your reality. So when fear starts to anticipate things, from a child frame of reference, you're backed into a corner. You don't have the resourcefulness to handle what's about to happen. So you are chronically feeling that fear because there's no other way out. You don't have the resourcefulness to believe in yourself. You don't feel you could handle life. So it's really a regressive reaction Call it the arrested child reflex, which insists you're not up to it. And it feels cowardly rather than courageous because you're, you're balking at what's ahead. You're insisting that what may happen or what's about to happen is something that you're not up to, something you can't handle. So, L, if you're listening to this podcast Maybe you're not going to be happy because I'm not going to tell you to do this or do that. But I am going to give you a concept that I feel needs to be wrestled with and needs to be pinned down. Essentially, and I'll get into this a bit, but essentially you must risk being vulnerable, not, not to actual danger. 
I'm not saying walk out in the middle of a Cat 5 hurricane or a five-foot blizzard. But you must risk being vulnerable to your insecurities, those projections of insecurities, the catastrophizing, exaggerated, disproportionate reactions to life. Now, when I say disproportionate reactions, I'm talking specifically about insecurities, insistence that you can't handle, that something is beyond your capability. It's too much, too big, too hard. You're not up to it. So you must risk being vulnerable. Okay, easier said, right? Okay, I understand. So as I said earlier, that, you know, insecurity with its compensatory attempts to make you feel less vulnerable projects worry, fear into the future. And worry and fear are very synonymous, as are worry and anxiety, fear and anxiety. These are all mobilizing aspects of feeling out of control, instigated by insecurity. Now, no one wants to feel vulnerable, and no one wants to feel out of control. That's another one of our predispositions. Human beings hate, abhor being out of control. We don't like it. And we do everything we can to feel more in control. So if you are like L, if you are one that is struggling with fears, crippling fears, then we have to assume that you're feeling chronically out of control with the challenges of your life. And from a self-coaching paradigm, I feel that you are habitually feeding the habit of insecurity. Because insecurity has become unrelenting. Insecurity now is insisting that there's no solace, no safety, and no resourcefulness to protect yourself. So you are totally vulnerable, and you are experiencing that vulnerability and that powerlessness with fear. So your life has become contaminated by insecurity. It's not the circumstances. Now, you might say losing a job, a divorce, an illness. You will definitely feel these are major catastrophic experiences in life. But how you handle these experience, experiences is dictated more by insecurity than by the circumstance themselves. There is no one-to-one -one correlation between a catastrophic event and how someone deals. I've worked with people with cancer who have been absolutely sidelined and others who have been absolutely opaque to their struggles and, and living their lives quite courageously aside from their challenges. So no one wants to be vulnerable. No one wants to be out of control, but fear refuses to let life unfold. It is that anticipation of danger. You're not in the present. You're in the future. Because the insecure child, the arrested child reflex, doesn't have the resourcefulness to feel safe. So they have to worry in order to, and fear in order, because there's nothing to back it up, except fear, except worry. So we might say another way to put it is that fear is the inability to believe in your resourcefulness. Now, 
when I say your resourcefulness, certainly if you are of the arrested child reflex, you're going to be thinking right now, well, I have no resources. I am powerless. I am impotent. I can't. That's the child. That potential to be able to handle life resides within you. It has to be, it has to be accessed, of course. It has to be reinforced and articulated. But it's not going to happen if you're only reinforcing the insecurity. It's just not going to happen. So we could say that it is, fear is essentially a habit of capitulation. Capitulation to the child impotence. So in order to rewire your brain, and this is kind of what we're talking about, because we have the wiring, those early childhood experiences, those habits that have now become wired into your brain, the habit loops of your brain. And in order to rewire your brain more constructively, this is what neuroplasticity is. We actually change the structure of our brain. You're going to have to allow yourself to experience the vulnerability of fearful anticipation. Oh, now you're scratching your head. Well, yeah, okay. Tell me how. Well, you're going to have to do it by living more present. And, you know, it's, it's a term everybody's throwing around, but it happens to be true. And there's no shortcut. There's no other way around this. Now, I'm going through a root canal right now as I speak. And I've had two, two procedures so far. And I've been told that this is a strange route, so they tell me. And there's there's no way they can get at these collateral little canals or something. And so the pain is is there. And, and they're not really sure what to do. And they're going to try some chemical something to kill those nerves, little things that have not been rooted out. But this is going to go on, and it's going to be weeks. And if you've listened to any of my early podcasts, you know about my my experiences as a child with dentists and how difficult it was for me to overcome those fears. But I have to be totally honest with you. Because I have practiced what I preach, and, and I have practiced it really intensely when it comes to dentistry, <laughs> I, I, I do not experience being in that dental chair until I am in that dental chair. Yeah, I have some throbbing and I take some Advil and and that goes on with, and some uh, antibiotics and all of that. But you know what? I'm still apart from that. I mean, I will on the 23rd of uh, January, I'll be back in that chair, but not until then. And until then, I am present the dental procedure isn't going on right now. I'm doing this podcast. That's my presence. If I mentally put myself in that dental chair, well, I've abandoned the present. And if I put myself in that dental chair, who's putting me there? And that would be the child reflex. And what if they can't? And what if the tooth can't be fixed? And what if, what if, what if? So I am present right now with you. and. I am not in that dental chair, but that's what I mean by being present. I choose to believe that like all challenges, my root canal and hurricanes and 
snows will melt and rains will stop. I choose to believe that I and you and everyone can get through these times as we do. How many, how many circumstantial challenges have you had in your life? Hundreds, thousands. You've gotten through one way or the other. You may not, you may feel it shabby the way you got through, but you survived. You're a survival machine. Always have been. But the child reflex refuses to accept that and or believe that. So what's the answer? Well, I wish I had a direct answer that if you do this, you'll. But what I can say is that you must neutralize insecurity. That's the motor. Don't get hung up on the circumstances. So we have to neutralize insecurity. And uh, yeah, when we're going up against a rush of all of this kind of physicality of fear and worry and what ifing, the only way to do that is with active mind to realize that when insecurity innervates itself into our thoughts and our life, and we have to neutralize by getting in touch with how insecurity is reinforced. And there are three major categories, doubts, fears, and negativity. So when you are fearful, all three of those may be at play. You may doubt your capacity to handle. Fear of what if? What if that root canal explodes? <laughs> and the negativity of uh, this is a bad thing that's going to happen. Doubts, fears, and negatives. Now, when you allow yourself to coddle one of these thoughts, one of these doubts, fears, negative thoughts, you're reinforcing insecurity. Now, you can't have it both ways. If you're struggling with worry, if you're struggling with insecurity, and if you're struggling with fear, you have to begin to rewire your brain by neutralizing the habit of insecurity. And insecurity is reinforced on and on and on again by our rather unconscious capitulation to the thoughts that insecurity produces. What if, what if, oh my God. So you need to become conscious of your feeding. We need to start cutting off the feeding in order to neutralize, in order to rewire the brain. Now, like anything else, you're not going to do that by just listening to this podcast. You're not going to play Mozart on the piano by one lesson. You have to retrain your fingers if you're going to play the piano. The brain has to accommodate these changes. And you must accommodate a more neutral way of thinking. So think of fear as an indulgence. And I'm not talking about Cat 5 hurricanes here. I'm talking about the exaggerated, disproportionate fears, especially the imagined fears, the what-ifs. You have to stop feeding the tendency, the insecurity-driven tendency to want to protect yourself, and I'll say this loosely, from yourself. You have to be able to realize doing nothing oftentimes is okay. You'll get by. I don't have to do anything about my root canal, right? 
That would be stupid for me to be sitting here today saying, well, I have to do something because I'm getting a root canal on the 20th. That would be ridiculous. Sometimes you do nothing, which is actually doing something. It's not reinforcing insecurity. And that's what living courageously is. It's realizing that you have a choice. And this is hard at first because the child reflex dominates. If you're suffering from anxiety, if you're suffering from fear or depression, you've got to understand that the child reflex, the impotent, powerless, arrested child reflex, sees the world a certain way. And you are of that world. And your mind has been wired to see the world that way. But it's not the way the world is. It's the way that you have interpreted and painted the world. So now it's time to start seeing the world more objectively. What does fear do for you? If you need to be mobilized to prevent danger and survive, God bless. But if you need to be fearful to protect yourself from yourself, and the, the, the rages and ranting of the child reflex, then shame on you. Start to neutralize the child reflex. Living courageously means yielding to what is rather than letting the child reflex resist. Yielding rather than resisting. Remember that child, no, no, no. You yield to certain things. You don't have to fear them. The child wants to avoid. The child doesn't want life to be anything but rosy. But we're in the real world. And sometimes we have to be courageous and yield to what is. You're not going to change certain things. You're not going to change certain challenges by wishing it were otherwise. And fear on one, if we stretch it a bit, on one level is wishing it were otherwise and not accepting life as it is, not yielding. And again, I'm going to reiterate, because we don't feel that we have the resourcefulness to handle. So that's why we don't do it. So I'm telling you today that we need to start neutralizing the child in order to develop the resourcefulness that exists and resides. We need to awaken that potential that we can handle life, that we don't have to be afraid, that that's part of the habit. So do nothing sometimes and tolerate the fear. Don't, don't get into it and don't, don't get muddled up by it. Just, just realize that you don't have to keep feeding it. Watch the thoughts, watch the doubts, fears, and negativity. And, you know, let's start living in the present more courageously. So if you have a fear right now, we'll, I'll conclude with this. I know I'm, I'm prattling on and on. But if you're living with fear at this moment, then you're not in the moment. Right? Okay. I'm not in the dental chair. And if your fear has to do with kind of quote unquote dental chairs right now, you're not, you're not really listening to this podcast. So start living more courageously. Start rewiring your brain. It's all about feeding, starving insecurity and if you're feeding insecurity and you're not starving it as i said before well shame on you 
Uh, it's up to you. No one's going to take it away. No one's going to take away your struggle except you. And it's got to be done with patience over time. That was the point I was getting at with the piano. You've got to really practice this patience or patiently over time. And by neutralizing the child reflex, what you're doing is you are establishing a maturity. And courageous living is mature living. I really do wish you well with this. And thank you, L, for your, your, your two emails. And again, if you have a podcast you'd like me to address, please send me an email. And visit my website, by the way, it's selfcoaching.net, where you can get in touch with me and see some of my other videos and books that are available. And you can just learn more about this whole self-coaching philosophy. And it is about coaching because, as I say, patience over time, you've got to coach yourself. You know, you can't have unrealistic expectations. You've got to stay motivated. You've got to stay in the game and you've got to make it happen. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, it's not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. So remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join me every week. What do you say we make it simple together? Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart.